Ernesto Sprouts, thank you so much for being on the African Tech Roundup. Welcome. Happy to be here. Now, Ernesto, you wear several hats. Um, the, the most interesting one for me at this point would be that of founder of Tunga, which is a work intermediary platform that connects tech businesses to African coders. But you're also something called a chief mentor at uh, one of uh, Holland's largest media companies, TMG. Tell me about how the one role led uh, to to you founding uh, Tunga. Well, actually, I was first founder of Tunga and then I came into that role at TMG. And uh, they both uh, stem from the same source because before this, I had a startup company called Mobar and we, we were part of the Yes Delft, which is a large tech incubator here in the Netherlands. And uh, what I did there is uh, apart from working with corporates, I did a lot of mentoring of other startups. So kind of working on my own startup and helping other startups went hand in hand. Mobar didn't quite make it as a startup, uh, but uh, as an entrepreneur there, I experienced the problem finding good software developers at the moment that I needed them. So that's when I decided to start Tunga. And slightly later, but more or less at the same time, uh, one of my uh, corporate pilot partners uh, heard that I was stopping with Mover and they invited me to come over to TMG and uh, work with the internal startups uh, slash digital companies that they have there in their portfolio. Oh, I see. So they have uh, an internal sort of incubation slash acceleration program at the company. Yes. And you you share all your knowledge and experience with them. Yes, I guide basically the companies through a 100-day program, uh, try to provide them with all the necessary resources that they need, give them feedback where necessary, and um, yeah, also work with entrepreneurs more on a personal level. And does that put you under pressure to make sure your startup works? <laughs> as far as I need that pressure, <laughs> no, it doesn't really. No, it's it's separate uh, tracks that I'm doing it. Uh, I'm always trying. I always feel the pressure, um, let's say, from within uh, because, uh, you know, I, in the core, I'm always have been an entrepreneur, always will be. So don't ne no, don't need that outside motivation. Well, yeah, certainly uh, from, uh, you know, from doing some research, I, I, I found out that you actually started out in hospitality management. That's true. Yeah. So, so what, was, what was the quick, what was the bridge between uh, what you went to university to study and what I imagine you must have had a passion for um, and you ending up in, in tech and innovation? What was the bridge for you? Well, you know, looking back, it's always logical, but it's not that I took the decisions uh, in my career uh, from a very rational point of view. Uh, I chose for hospitality management because I had a, I was very young and I had a gut feeling that I liked this world where it was all about making other people happy. And in the end, um, that never went away, but the form in which I wanted to do it became very different because um, I'm always interested to go into new unexplored paths. Uh, and that is not something that is, let's say, common for a regular hospitality professional, but it is common for somebody interested in innovation and new business. So after the hospitality management uh, bachelor, I did a master's in business 
and then I ended up in uh, Kazakhstan of all places. Hmm. East, uh, uh, where is that? Eastern Europe or it's, uh, Asia? It's uh, Central Asia, former Soviet Central Union. Asia. Yeah. And uh, one year of Kazakhstan and then six, six years of Moscow where I built my own consultancy, uh, helping Dutch companies enter the markets of the former Soviet Union. Uh, so this was really, let's say, um, in a time that the uh, Russian market was uh, developing very quickly and the Dutch companies uh, needed a bridgehead there and I was forming that bridgehead. It was a very dynamic period. I enjoyed it really, really much and it also demanded a lot in terms of being able to improvise and to operate in an uncertain environment which is my uh, which is basically my hobby and my profession <laughs> that's interesting now I'll, I'll have some more questions about um your your experiences uh, around around all those things because that sounds fascinating but um let's talk about tunga a little bit i mean it's no secret that that the chan the, the chan zuckerberg foundation have um uh put a lot of hope and indeed a lot of money in a, a Nigerian startup called Andela, which um, in my mind uh, shares some similarities with your, with your business, Tunga. Tell me a little bit about what your hopes for, for Tunga are, what your aspirations are, and what you make of the, the trend towards, um, uh, to, towards uh, I suppose it's e-learning, but also harnessing uh, the, the, the skills of, of coders on the continent in, in specific to Africa. Okay. So first of all, I, I, about Andela, I think it's a great initiative and we have been in contact with them and we definitely um, play into the same trend and have similar missions, if you will. Uh, but our approach with Tunga is very different. So I rather, from a market pers perspective, I rather see it as complementary than as competitive. Right. Um, so perhaps, perhaps for for the benefit of our listeners who who might not be familiar with either business, please give me a sense of what it is Tunga does and yeah. how you go about doing it, and perhaps how how different it is to what Andela does. Okay, so uh, to understand Tunga, I'll, I'll go back to when I had my previous company, which was also a software based company, and you have to imagine that in uh, in the Netherlands and in Europe where where we are based, there is. According to the EU, there's a shortage of around 1 million ICT workers, right? So for uh, a small company to have, um, let's say, flexible access to a software development uh, at affordable prices, it's rather impossible. It was always a hassle to work with freelancers for us. Not that we, in the end, we couldn't find them, but we could never mobilize them on the moment that we needed them, and they are generally very expensive. So my first right. goal was to solve that. Um, and the way I wanted to solve that was to circumvent all the problems that we experienced with traditional freelancer marketplaces, uh, which are mostly one-off transactions. Every time you begin anew to search for uh, talent that you need. The idea behind Tunga was to enable companies to find good developers and get connected to them before the moment they actually need them so that you can build like a social network uh, and and when your network is robust enough and you need somebody then the chance that somebody is available at the moment that you actually need them um, is uh, much bigger that was the idea 
And me having a background in uh, development aid and uh, working uh, in Africa, uh, because after my Russian period, I, I was with an NGO uh, for two and a half years. Um, I thought that it would be would be really great if we could find those developers in Africa. Um, and why Africa as opposed to, I don't know, there are certain places we, we, we typically think about when we think of uh, uh, a surplus yeah. <laughs> supply of, of, of coding talent. I yeah. think of places like Russia where you yeah. spend a lot of time and... Ukraine and certainly places like China. What what would what would make Africa specifically uh, 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 an, an, an area or a region you'd you'd concentrate on specifically? Okay. Well, first of all, it was not knowledge based. <laughs> it was uh, intention based, and I always I'm a shared value adept, so I always try to combine, let's say, what I call a business sense with a social impact, if you will. Right. Um, and Social capitalism. Yeah, so you could call it like that. So I've been involved in, uh, after my Russian period, in many social enterprises in the Netherlands. So it's just a second nature to think about, okay, if I'm going to do something, I want to try to do it with, it always has to make business sense, but I want to try to do it with as much societal value as possible. Right. So that's when I had a hunch okay, it would be great if we could find those developers in Africa. But at that moment, I didn't have a clue whether there was a big enough community of developers at all in Africa. And mm. I just went uh, doing some research and I was positively surprised about developments. I found out that Africa in many fields kind of uh, is ahead in terms of innovation because you're just skipping generations of technology that, that the yeah, West has been yeah. using. And also... True, true innovation as true, opposed to innovation for the sake of what? Catch, catching Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, absolutely true. And um, uh, I, I came in contact with a, a Dutch design studio called Butterfly Works. And they had been involved in uh, an organization called the BITS Academy, which is a curriculum for a digital design. Um, and which had been rolled out through several uh, IT schools, if you will, throughout Africa under the BITS label. So you have the oldest one is Nairo BITS in Kenya. Uh, but I think that there were at that time seven schools in six countries in East Africa preliminary, uh, uh, predominantly. And they had an alumni community of around six, 7,000 alumni. Not all software developers, but uh, let's say... Uh, a substantial part of that software developers so that kind of answered my question uh, of whether there are enough developers on the continent yes there definitely are um, and for them it was really interesting because since they were involved in education okay if you educate people it's also nice if you can provide them with well-paying work after that and that's when we decided to team up uh, so Tunga is basically a joint venture between myself and the Butterfly Works um, and try to see if we can uh, can make it work. Um, and that started like something like a year ago. And the first thing that we'd want to try to validate is, okay, can we get enough good uh, developers out of the market? Um, can they perform, let's say, on the level that our clients that we could find here uh, require? 
and we did some pilot. And how did you go about verifying that? Okay, I just sent a guy to Kampala. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, of course, we leveraged the, the, the network, the Bits Academy network that we had, but we right. also went a little bit outside of that. Um, and my colleague Bart, he was there for like half a year, the second half of uh, 2015. And uh, was very successful in finding uh, finding good developers, uh, coordinating pilots with clients, uh, which went all very well. So that was um, a reason for us to be able to get uh, funding from several f uh, philanthropic uh, foundations here in the Netherlands. Uh, and we started building uh, the platform in uh, December, January. And since then we have run three iterations on the platform. So we just released uh, the third one, which is basically a beta version, but which works quite well, I might say. And in the meanwhile, have been steadily uh, building uh, the business with clients. So uh, that's where we came from. So build, building the pipeline to to basically yeah. channel the, the the skills that you you've tapped yeah. that that you've found. Yeah. And so from the sounds of it, um, I'm already seeing some some differences. And and I I keep bringing up Pandela just because it's a high profile uh, a high profile example yeah. in a, in in your space. Um, but in, in to my mind, Andela seems to be in part or a, a big component of their process involves the you know um, an induction process that prepares coders. Hopefully, in their case, the you know a highly screened, uh, super talented kids mostly, um, who by the end of two years are are prepared to sort of deliver at a certain level. You're looking for people who are ready now, from what I can tell. Yes. In principle, we are looking for people who have already had uh, the uh, part of the education and who have uh, some uh, practical experience. Um, I think another big difference is that uh, Andela is really aiming for a high end, the top end, if you will. Yes. Uh, and keeping a lot of factors under their own control. So uh, both the screening and the... Uh, let's say the grooming and the manage the managing of the process. Uh, our longer term goal is to have a self-organizing platform. Uh, of course, at this moment that's not realistic. So do we do a lot of onboarding, both of coders and of clients? Um, but I can imagine an environment that might might be similar. Correct me if I'm wrong. That might be similar to how a you know a platform like Fiverr works, where yeah, um, you rely on the on uh, on the community within Fiverr to determine yes. who deserves a five a five star rating and yes, and and basically the best talent will gravitate to the most discerning clients organically. That kind of thing. Yes, that's true. Uh, so. Uh, of course, you need uh, flying hours into the platform to be able to do that. So that's what yeah. we're trying to build. We do have, uh, let's say, uh, admission standards. 
um, for people. Like a secret password or something. No, no, no. Standards <laughs> like, uh, you know. No, I know. I'm being silly. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if you compare, let's say, uh, Fiverr and, and Della, they're both at two ends of the spectrum, right? So you have one yes. top end, yes. uh, which is more catering for large, large corporations with big budgets. And right. the other one is low bottom end, which are mostly one-off transactions uh, with very low budgets, etc. We more are aiming for, uh, let's say, the middle market. Right. Um, so, um, th th which leads to my next question: what What's your business development cycle like in as far as finding the clients who who would 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 then um, tap the talent you've you've sourced? On your platform at this moment it's uh, mainly uh, direct sales okay uh, we are working with let's say medium-sized companies mostly uh, who have a significant budget for software development uh, often have some experience with software outsourcing uh, and who are interested in a flexible layer around their core team um, and want to build longer term relationships uh, with freelancers that are uh, available flexibly. Right. And so the code is listening to our conversation right now. Um, who might be interested in signing up with you guys? What's the process around that? The process is, well, in, in, uh, in theory, you can go to the platform, create an account and post uh, start uh, making connections with developers and start posting tasks. In mm -hmm. practice, uh, we see a lot of people uh, just approaching us, sending us an email. Then we get into okay. contact. Uh, we try to understand their needs and we try to onboard them, help them as much as possible with onboarding them, get the right coders for them, uh, set, uh, help them setting out their first tasks, etc. So it's and so also in, in recent weeks, uh, Nasperis, Africa's largest tech firm, uh, sunk a significant amount of money into Code Academy. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you make of this trend towards um, the e-learning the, the e trend online? Is it helpful in, in, um, in creating the pipeline of talent that you're hoping to get onto your platform? No, it's definitely uh, helpful. And of course... This is all a result of the global shortage of uh, good software developers, right? So yeah. everybody's apparently, I mean, I have to say I only found this out after I got the ID for Tunga, but apparently it's a big thing. How can we uh, untap uh, this potential? Now, how can we tap this potential, this untapped potential that there is on the African continent? Uh, I think that uh, everything, all those initiatives are helpful, yeah? even Andela as well. Yeah? So you see if you have 30,000 ap applications to Andela and they only hire 75 or 150, then that tells me that there is uh, below that segment a huge opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. As for Code Academy, I can say my experiences is that there are already a lot of good people who can write good code in Africa. That's absolutely not the bottleneck from our perspective. From our, okay. from our perspective, the bottleneck is what we what we call soft skills, right? So uh, if I have somebody from, let's say, Kampala, uh, who has never been outside of Uganda, who has never worked for uh, Western clients, 
how is this person going to learn um, to make a client happy who is from a different culture, who has very specific demands in terms of how they want to run project, how do how they want to run processes, right? Uh, so the challenge is much more in, uh, let's say, uh, bridging cultures into bridging communication differences uh, and approaches to project management. Right. Now, I mean, you know, leaning, you know, going back to, you know, your your past experience and some of the, the things you shared about that, you know, working in Russia and other places in the world, what would you say... Um, you've had to leverage the most in terms of your training, perhaps your exposure and experience, having worked uh, in different parts of the world. Yeah. What have you had to leverage or what has been the most useful thing you've leveraged in, in, in growing Tunga? Well, Is it perhaps your network. I think that, um, you know, I love this question because I've, I've thought about it uh, myself. And, you know, when I went to Russia, I was a young guy, right? It was my first job. So I, I basically, I didn't know anything. And um, at one point, I was uh, helping Dutch companies doing mergers or acquisitions in Russia. And then I had to receive the big guys, right? Uh, high people, important people. And it was only seeing them in action in negotiations that I realized that I had built up a valuable skill. And that was to be able to understand uh, two different, really distinct cultures. Um, because a lot of people, maybe especially from the West, but I don't know, they are even maybe even arrogant, if you will. Uh, but certainly they do not always understand what's happening at the other side of the table, right? Mm. So mm. having learned this early on in my career, this is also how I approach uh, uh, this type of process that we're doing now with Tunga. So for me, it's very much about creating common ground, also using technology and using the platform to uh, bridge, to help bridge the culture and the differences in how they prefer to communicate, as opposed to taking a best, best practice from let's say, the West and trying to impose it on uh, people who have a totally different background or the other way around, right? Yeah. Uh, so um, I think that's the be, being able to understand and, and value even uh, cultural differences and how to bridge them. That would be the quality that I, I apply is most valuable to me in this project. And what advice would you give to coders listening to this uh, to this interview uh, around perhaps managing the expectations? Uh, speak, speak to a coder who aspires to having an international career, who sees themselves as a citizen of the world, yeah. who who looks forward to using platforms like Tunga and others to to grow their career and and do work for clients anywhere in the world. What have you? What would you say is the most important piece of advice you could give to someone like that sitting somewhere like say uh, you mentioned Kampala, Uganda, yeah. or Kigali in Rwanda or you yeah. know even Johannesburg South Africa what would you say to someone who perhaps hasn't had the experience yeah. you've had in in uh in in traveling the world and experiencing all these cultures what would you say uh is most important for them to know I would say hook up with other people in your own environment who have this experience right so organize meetups or visit meetups where you can meet those type of people um because these people 
they are the ones who can understand you and the client and this is in the end this is about being able to understand the client and for that you mean you need to uh, suck up all the experience that you can get and the most low threshold is to find people in your own environment who have that experience right right so for me this is all about um let's say learning now we come back to my hospitality background so professionally i never did anything with it but if you learn any something on a uh, hotel school it is to be totally focused on the needs of your customer right and uh in the end it doesn't mean that you let's say have to um how do you say it you have to always to keep your own interests in mind and keep your self respect uh of course in place right so don't be a doormat don't be a, don't be a doormat right but if you understand the needs of the customer then you can uh position yourself optimally to get out of a relationship in a way that's most beneficial to you right so right right absolutely well listen how how can people get in touch with you 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 mentioned that um Often people prefer to drop an email or give you a shout. How, how's the best way for people interested in um, in plugging into Tunga and what you guys are doing to get a hold of you? Okay, so, well, first off, check the website. It's tunga.io, so T-U-N-G-A dot I-O. There you have contact form uh, and everything. You can send me an email, which is E-R-N-E-S-T-O at tunga.io, Ernesto at tunga.io. Uh, that's more, and and you you can ask me any question you like, and uh, we'll get back to you uh, very quickly. So, uh, and that's that's a way to start. Absolutely, and I know you have a very busy speaking schedule. Uh, you certainly believe in the advice you just shared uh, in 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 keeping not tabs. I wouldn't say tabs on on the various ecosystems you interact with, but certainly interaction lines of interaction quite open well thank you so much for speaking to me Ernesto. really appreciate your time it was really a pleasure and i hope to stay in touch andile